The next psalm in our uh, series is Psalm 90. Uh, I've been blessed um, as I've studied this psalm over recent weeks, and my prayer is that you will too. So let's read it, please, Psalm 90. Um, And the title over it is A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad. For as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendour to their children. May the favour of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for, for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Um, a couple more verses, please, and into the, uh, into the New Testament. Uh, Luke 24 uh, and 27, please. Uh, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Uh, And then Matthew 17, please, verses 2 to 3. Matthew 17, verses 2 to 3, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. And then Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 2. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed out of all things, and through whom... He made the universe. And then um, we'll just dip into a few selected verse, verses. For the sake of time, I won't read it all, but Hebrews 11, verses 23 to 29. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. They saw he was no ordinary child. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. For a short time, he regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. 
Um, I thought we'd have a little recap into the book of the Psalms, and it occurred to me to go back and look at a summary. Um, often our communication one with another are peppered with um, passing comments, aren't they? Like, you might say, how are you? And the, the answer comes back, fine. Um, and if this type of exchange were the essence of all our communication, then all of our relationships would be on a superficial level, wouldn't they? Uh, we may throw a, fact, throw a few facts and opinions in uh, to go a bit deeper, but the true person inside of each one of us still lies hidden beneath. And in reality, it's only when honest feelings and emotions are shared can real people be known, loved and helped. Um, sometimes it's true, isn't it, that um, in our talks with God, superficial uh, communication spills into that. We can slide through well-worn lines that we've recited for a period of time. Sometimes we can throw in a cliche and call it prayer. Um, but certainly God does hear um, everything that we say. Um, but if we limit our communication, then our relationship with God would become shallow. Um, God knows us and he wants to have genuine communication with us. And at the centre of the book, uh, of the Bible, is the book of the Psalms. And as we know, as we thought over recent weeks, is a great collection of songs and prayers that expresses the heart and soul of humanity. Um, and in them we find the range of human experiences expressed. Um, the Psalms hold no cliches. Um, instead, David and other writers, and Moses, as we'll think of today, honestly poured out their true feelings, uh, which re represented a dynamic, powerful, and life-changing friendship with God. The psalmists confess their sins, they express their doubts and their fears, and they ask, God, they ask God to help in times of trouble, and they praise him, and they worship him. I read this, um, and I've copied it, just to read out, because it's an encouragement as we go through the series. We're almost done with our series on the psalms, unless there's more to come uh, in the programme that comes out next. And the encouragement is this, as you read the book of Psalms, you will hear believers crying out to God from the depths of despair, uh, and you will hear them singing to him in the, in the heights of celebration. But whether the psalm writers are despairing or rejoicing, you will always hear them sharing their honest feelings with their God. Because of the honesty expressed by these writers, men and women throughout history have come again and again to the book of Psalms for comfort during times of struggle and distress. And through the Psalms, they have risen from the depths of despair to new heights of joy and praise as they also discovered the power of God's everlasting love. Uh, and forgiveness. Let the honesty of the Psalms guide you into a deep and genuine relationship with God. So, Psalm 90, the heading to this writing is A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. So the author is Moses, and it makes this the oldest of the Psalms. Um, Moses had had a very full uh, and eventful life when he penned these words. The theme of the Psalm um, is God's eternal, eternal nature and it's contrasted with people's frailty. Um, we know that our time on earth is limited, don't we? And we are to use it wisely, not living for the moment, but with eternity in mind. And as Christians, we know that promise. Um, one note that I read said that no other psalm so poignantly described man before God and the vast difference between the two, uh, between us humans who are so temporary and sinful and the God of heaven who is eternal uh, and holy. Um, it's a psalm, but it's also a prayer, as the title says, and it's a prayer to the, to the everlasting God 
to have compassion on his servants who lived there. Um, and this was a little note that I read. Their melancholy lives under the rod of divine wrath and under his sentence of death. A plea that God will show them his love. Show them his love. Give them a cause to joy and bless their labours for enduring worth. Um, there is a huge amount um, in Moses' life that I could have referenced. And he'd been through a lot to lead the Hebrew nation out of Egypt. Um, it starts off with um, his birth, but God approaches him. And Moses says, who am I? I can't talk in front of people. Um, um, and he led, it came to the fact that he led the Hebrew nation out of Egypt. Um, and despite experiencing amazing experiences, we think of the plagues, uh, we think of the Passover, we think of the Red Sea, we think of the manna uh, that we've sung about in our hymn. The people failed to believe God was going to bring them through to what he promised. And they lost focus on him, they disobeyed God, and the result of the disobedience uh, was that they had to spend an extra 40 years of enforced wandering in the desert. Moses was their leader, and he had to lead for an extra 40 years before the nation could enter the promised land. Um, and so that he should write uh, such a psalm as Psalm 90 with such poignancy um, uh, is not surprising. In Deuteronomy 8 and 15, um, the desert that they were wandering was called a, um, a vast and a dreadful desert. Imagine in your mind um, and how you would deal with that uh, if you had wasted 40 years. Context, well, we don't know exactly when the psalm was written, but we have a good idea, and it seems that it's towards the end of Moses' life. It's highly likely that it was written after Moses was 80, um, because that's after the time the Lord told him that he wouldn't enter the Promised Land. We thought about the extra 40 years, uh, and when Moses died, he was 120. So he was well over 100 years old. Um, there are references to God's anger in the psalm um, in relation to man's sin. And all man's days passing by under the wrath of God. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. Um, Moses had continually interceded for the people. And God uh, at one point almost comes to Moses and said, I'm going to start again with you uh, because I've had enough of this people. But at the same time, there's the absolutely gracious um, evidence in the story of the children of Israel, of God who says he is a forgiving God. Um, my chronological Bible sets this psalm just after the Song of Moses and before the end of Deuteronomy 32, uh, where the Lord does speak to Moses and tells him that his days on earth are at an end. Um, and then between that and Deuteronomy 33, where Moses blesses the people, and God gives Moses uh, his final instructions. I do have to confess that when I first read the psalm, um, the note I made was this, I'm not sure if I feel downhearted or not. Um, because phrases like, return to dust, O sons of men, you sweep men away, we are consumed by your anger, will we finish our days with a moan, all our days pass by under your wrath, make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us. Um, as I said, I have to confess that when I first read the psalm, um, I think I was a little bit downhearted. You read it. What about you? What would your reflections be? Um, and in the troubles of life that we all feel, and as living as a Christian, we might think um, about the phrases that I've just referenced, and we might say to Moses, you're absolutely right. It's so hard sometimes. 
what is the point? Um, but that's not a balanced point of view, is it? Uh, and maybe, like me, if you read it again and, and again and reread re it, you do justice to all the points that Moses makes and the openness and honesty of his approach, remembering that this is a prayer. And we get to the fact that the psalm makes glorious sense if you know something of who God is, and if we're on the journey of faith wherever we are, and we learn to trust God for and in everything, step by step become more and more men and women of God, just like Moses uh, is referenced here. Um, I don't know about you, um, but I love the power of context. You might think that's a bit of a strange thing to say, um, and you're right, but context gives us a greater understanding, doesn't it, to the facts in front of us, and it broadens our understanding and the circumstances that form the setting of an event, a statement or an idea, and so we can have a better understanding. Context throws light on what's in front of us, to, to the situation we find ourselves in. Um, so we have, and a bit of license here, but we have Moses at the end of his life um, on Mount Nebo. And in, in understanding the context, I would invite you to imagine a place that you've been to um, where there's a good view, and there's a great view, um, where there's a vantage point, and where you can see for miles and for miles. Uh, in my mind, I have two places. One's not far from here. It's Kinder Scout. It's 636 metres above sea level. It's the highest point in the Peak District, and getting to the top is hard work. There are flat, easy parts, and there are hard scrambles. It's hard going, and sometimes you have to rely on someone to help you keep going. And on a clear day, there are wonderful views across the northwest. The other place in my experience, and I've said I'd invite you to go to somewhere where is in your mind, because it's important for later, um, maybe you've gone somewhere and you drive there. And in my mind, there's a place in Scotland where I've been to. And as you get to the viewpoint, and it's just next to the road, you can see the beauty of the Carls of Butte, and there are woody hills that go down to the water's edge. Um, there's no civilization in sight. And in your mind's eye, as you take everything in, you're grateful for the rest after the effort you've put in to get there, and you begin to relax, you feel less tired. You feel yourself relax. And as you look, you appreciate what you're looking at, and you take everything in, the beauty, the scale. You probably realize how small you are um, in comparison to the magnificence in front of you. And the parts of the journey uh, that got you there, that were hard or difficult, they've melted from your memory. And the, the, the view reward, rewards you for the hard work that you put in to get there. I imagine Moses at the end of his life writing this, uh, as I said, and it's a prayer, and it was relevant in his day, his prayer, and I absolutely believe that it's relevant in ours too. I believe Psalm 90 is a compact version of Moses' story. Moses, this is your earthly story. Um, and having recorded it, um, I imagine him praying it as he's following what God has asked him to do on his final assignment up to Mount Nebo, where you can see today and you can climb there today, where God has told him that he would die. And I think one of the lovely things to point out straight away is that in the kindness of God, God lets Moses see the promised land. Um, Moses had um, accepted the fact that disobedience had disqualified him from entering the promised land. 
but God allowed Moses to see it personally from a distance. Uh, Mount Nebo stands similar height to King of the Scout, 700 metres above sea level. It's an appreciable, appreciable climb and it takes appreciable effort. And as he gets to the top, God shows it to him and Moses takes it all in. I imagine this prayer on his lips and on his mind. Um, we all have our experience, don't we, in our journey of faith. And as I look around here, um, people listening to the recording, uh, we all are on a journey. Um, Moses knew the greatness of God, the creatorial greatness of God, who absolutely knew everything about him. And you and I can be certain too that we, uh, there is a God in heaven who loves us. Um, and in more recent times in the New Testament, we know that God has told us that he's spoken to us in his son, the Lord Jesus. Um, and I just say reverently uh, that there's a verse that says that draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I reverently say that God is itching for each one of us to draw near to him. If you look at the number of things that Moses was involved in, it's huge. And 17 verses is a super concentrated um, um, prayer and psalm as he moves from this life to the next. Verses 1 to 12 are Moses' reflections, which then leads to a prayer with which the psalm ends. He was put on earth for a great purpose. He was a Hebrew born in Egypt, where the people were slaves. Uh, we've read his understanding as he grew up that he chose to be identified with his people. And so he begins the psalm with who God is and what God has been to his people. And he looks all over his experience with his heritage deeply embedded and having one day he reacted to somebody who was punishing uh, one of the Hebrews and Moses kills him. And Moses goes to Midian and runs away. Um, and then God speaks to him. And in verses one to one, verses one and two, Moses, uh, the psalm says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born, or, or you, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from <coughs> everlasting everlasting you are God. In Midian God speaks to Moses sometime later from when he had to escape and he revealed to Moses himself to Moses as the I am who I am and it means the one who is the absolute and unchangeable one and you can read it in Exodus chapter 3 and God reveals to Moses that he is sending him to Pharaoh to lead his people out of Egypt and Moses' reaction was who am I? Um, he didn't want to be sent to Egypt because he wasn't very good with words. That was what Moses said. Send somebody else. And Moses is told, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham and Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. The Eternal is my name, my name to remember for all generations. Moses, in the psalm, can confidently write, the dwelling place or refuge that God provides. Uh, in his mind is the promise that God had made for all generations that includes us here today. And a dwelling place means an abode or a home. And as Moses encourages the, encourages the people in his final blessing right at the end of his life, in Deuteronomy 33 and 27, he says, the eternal God is your refuge and his everlasting arms are underneath you. The two opening verses summarise Moses' experience of who God is as he declares that God is our refuge and true security. 
often, don't we, we entrust our lives to other things which are necessary to live, but we trust in things like money, a career, or a noble cause more. Uh, and Moses' story and testimony in this psalm is that our only true refuge is the eternal God and faith in his promises. The eternal God who always holds out his arms to catch us when the shaky supports that we often trust in collapse and we fall. Verses 3 to 6 remind us that man lives under the sentence of death due to the sin of Adam. Look up Genesis 3 and 19. And we're reminded that dust is the origin of our bodies and the source of our food, but it's also a, a symbol of our eventual death. Um, we're blessed, aren't we, with the Old Testament, and we're blessed too with the New Testament. Uh, and in God's grace, we look forward to the verses in 1 Corinthians 15, where, talk, where Paul talks about the first man being from the dust of the earth, and the second man being from heaven, and the first Adam and the last Adam. And the second man and the last Adam talk about the Lord Jesus. And we see the relevance of all Moses' experience to us today, as Jesus talks with the dispirited men who were on the way to Emmaus, and he begins with Moses. And when the two men understand um, what Jesus is talking about that day, their hearts burn within them. They were disappointed, weren't they? They thought it was all over, they thought it was all pointless. Um, but when they realise that Jesus has risen a few hours later, with Jesus having spoken to them about all that God had done through Moses and all the prophets, they're encouraged and they rush back to their fellow disciples. They realise that Jesus has risen and the promise of the glorious resurrection body for us in the light of the fact of that of the fact that we are dust um, is an encouragement. So we are dust, but we have a glorious future ahead. Uh, Moses reminds us that a thousand years are like a day to the Lord. And we learn here that God is not limited by time, but that he's completely unrestricted by time. It's easy to get discouraged, isn't it, when years pass and the world doesn't get any better. We can be torn up by what's happening in the world, Ukraine, politics. We wonder if God's in control and if he can see the future. But again, uh, God is eternal and we are temporal and we shouldn't assume that God has our limitations. There's references to the watch of the night. Uh, the Hebrews and the Romans divided the night uh, into different watches over different periods of time. Um, we thought God doesn't view time as we do. He stands above time with the result that when time is seen in the light of eternity, an age no longer seems, uh, light of eternity an age seems no longer than one short day and vice versa. With regard to the watch of the night, I'm reminded here of Psalm 4 and 8. It can be a comforting one to some people. Uh, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And so we're thinking of an eternal God who is above time. Um, and we've said a day is like a thousand years and vice versa. But at the same time, the psalmist can be content in a God who cares for him in the night, um, in time. And we, commit, we can commit ourselves to God day and night and be confident is in his care. So God is, in, God is eternal and we can trust him. Uh, there's a further reminder of man's temporary nature compared to the greatness of God. Um, Isaiah 40 compares men's glory to the flower of the fields. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. And a couple of verses later, we're further encouraged in that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. 
and we can have confidence in the eternal God who's provided his word that you have here for us. Um, I think there's another, in, in discussing the eternality of God, there's another lovely contrast here. We thought that we're grass and as men, and in contrast to God, we're cut down and that's it. But at the same time, um, we think of the verse in Matthew 6 and 30 where Jesus is describing God's care for us. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will you not much more clothe you, uh, O you of little faith? I was reminded of a conversation recently when I was asking somebody involved with the work of the churches, um, and I was told that there has been a time um, in, in that area of ministry where the needs of the saints haven't been met in God's grace. So we have a God who is above us and a God uh, compared to him we're dust, we're grass, and yet at the same time we have his loving care. Um, the next few verses, verses 7 to 10, describe the human condition under God's anger. And we see contrast with earlier verses. Um, God's been a dwelling place for Moses and his people, but he's also shown the power of his wrath. And God is the everlasting one. And we have to come to terms with a small number of our days. Moses knew what the anger of God looked like uh, and felt like. The people had sinned many times. And the crushing thing that Moses must have felt was that due to sin before a holy God, there were consequences. Moses wasn't going to be allowed to enter the promised land as we thought. And, we, and, we, and we've seen what God thinks of sin and disobedience and that there are consequences. Um, We're reminded that God knows all of our sins as though they were spread before him, even the secret ones. Um, we thought of the power of uh, honesty in the Psalms, and we know that we can talk to God when we sin, and he understands. Um, God knows everything about us, and yet he still loves us and wants to forgive us. Um, and this should encourage us to come to him, rather than frightening us to covering up our sin, which is futile as we thought, we can be open and honest, honest before God. Um, there's a verse in Hebrews that we didn't read, Hebrews 4, 12 to 13, that reminds us of two things, that nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight. Um, and the verse before reminds us of how um, living God's word is, it's living and active. Um, God's word is eternal, we thought about that from Isaiah already. Uh, and the encouragement is to understand more about God from reading his word, to understand that in our days God has spoken to us through the Lord Jesus and that there's, there's a promise from the book of James that if we make the effort to understand God more we'll understand who he is, who he is to a greater degree. All our days pass by under your wrath. Some of these are quite dark verses aren't they? Uh, the, the whole of the Exodus generation, the whole of that people who saw that wonderful deliverance were condemned to die in the desert. Uh, they'd seen the wonders that God had done in bringing them out of Egypt, but they'd complained and not believed in the promises. Um, and the Lord had said to Moses that, they, that the people had treated him with contempt. Just a reminder that the eternal God we've been thinking of is a holy God. And while being a forgiving God, as he told Moses in Numbers 14, there were consequences to disobedience and to, disabil and to disbelief. What about us today? It can be hard, can't it, to raise our eyes above what's going on around us. To what grabs our attention on a daily basis but the promise that God's word has for us is that those who trust him trust in him will never be put to shame 
and ultimately we'll never be disappointed. Ours is to be a life of simple, trusted, dependent faith. Um, there's a reference to the period of our days, 70 or 80. That's a poetic thing, really. It's a numerical convention. Um, and as we thought, Moses was over 100 years when he composed this psalm and this prayer. And so, in the light of those verses, you can kind of understand, if you read them, to be a little disappointed. But as I read and reread this and understood a little bit more and saw this from Moses' perspective in his life, in the light of the glory of the God that he knew, and then you look forward to Jesus' transfiguration, where his deity and holiness were demonstrated, and the glorified Moses is there, and then you look forward again to the Emmaus Road, and then to the Hebrew believers. Um, Moses' story is put in even greater context, um, and Moses is referenced to believers in the New Testament who were being dis who were discouraged, and his experience was referenced to keep them to be encouraged to keep going on. And Moses, you see, you're part of it all, and it's linked together for our benefit today. Final few thoughts. Um, teach us, verse 12, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Another translation of that is teach us to realise the brevity of life so that may, we may grow in wisdom. The thought is of numbering our days. And the word in Hebrew is the thought of carefully measuring out and you might be a cook and you might very carefully measure out your ingredients. Um, it made me think of my grandmother, my maternal grandmother. Um, she was very careful with money. And I knew from chatting with my mum that she could account for every penny that she had. And it's the same thing, isn't it? If you have something that's precious, um, realising that there's a finiteness to what you have, there's a finiteness to our days. And the thought is of preserving it and protecting it and um, spending it or dispensing it very carefully. Realising that life is short helps us use the relatively little time we have compared to who God is more wisely and for eternal good. Um, see Psalm 139. I'm not going to steal the thunder from one of the Psalms coming up. But it tells us there that all our days are ordained for us. Um, teach us. Well, we thought of uh, the verse in Hebrews that in more recent days, God has spoken to us in his son. Um, the final few verses are a prayer. Um, relent. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. Make us as glad, for as many days as you have, deflict, have afflicted us. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendour to their children. What I think is remarkable that's not in this psalm, um, and it's often the case, isn't it, that when we're at an elevated place where we've put effort in and we're looking at something and we have a better perspective, um, the things that maybe were important to us have just melted away. There isn't any defiance or despair in the psalm. There's card, sorry, <laughs> There is hard, cold fact. There's no despair, there's no defiance in what Moses, in what Moses says as he summarises his life. We could understand, couldn't we, if we'd strayed into that sentiment? And we understand that, don't we? Do we sometimes despair? Do we sometimes think, maybe at least, God, what are you doing? But there's none of that. Uh, confronted by an eternal God who's shown Moses who he is, he's used him mightily in his purposes, Moses, in very settled contentment at the end of his life, in reality, is honest with the God who loves him and who he loves. Uh, what an example 
to you and to me. No defiance and no despair. Moses is at the end of his life and he reflects. And that's what the psalm is about. Um, I wonder about taking, uh, not us getting to the end of our lives, but uh, having reflection points earlier than that in God's, in God's will and reflecting and refueling that reflection into our experience to God's glory. Takeaways, uh, i.e. what points are we going to take away from this psalm? Um, this is, an, this is a, a, a we psalm, as in the personal pronoun. It's not an I psalm. Moses was the intercessor for the people. Uh, he intervened with the people on so many occasions. Um, at one point, God had said to him, okay, I won't destroy the people. Um, Moses was an intercessor, and at the end of his life, he is still um, exercising that role. Um, there is nothing I think uh, more powerful than praying for people or um, being prayed for. Uh, and so one of the takeaways is that with this being a we psalm about people, not just about me, and there's nothing wrong with that, that we pray for people and we continue to do that, people that we committed to do. Psalm 91, um, I reference that because um, making uh, psalms that your own, I have been hugely encouraged by the following psalm. It's years later, but the encouragement to us and one of the other takeaways is um, what can we make personal in our experience and what can we share with people for their benefit. That psalm was shared with me by somebody recently in the last eight months and it had a huge power in my experience. Finally, two points. Um, what about your story and what about my story? And the vantage point that we sit as we look at our lives and using the lessons from Moses' story to help us. So it's an I psalm, so it's a, it's a we psalm, not an I psalm. What can we make personal in our experience? What about your story and my story? And what about sharing with each other the lessons that we learn? And finally, um, very easy homework, is to Google Psalm 90, Sovereign Grace Music, uh, and listen to the uh, song, the, the musical song, that somebody, Sovereign Grace Music, has put together. Um, it's quite a nice summary of Psalm 90. So, not onerous work, not onerous homework, pleasant homework, and maybe that's something we could uh, listen to uh, each day as we live our lives before God. Shall we pray?